0: Welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast, an examination of the Bible and how parents can apply God's word to raising kids in a culture saturated with media and technology. We're going to look at everyday issues from a biblical worldview that you can trust the sufficiency of scripture and apply its truth to your life as you raise and disciple your kids. Welcome everyone to the show today. Good morning, Chelsea. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. Hey, my Wordle score this morning was three out of six before coffee, so it is a fantastic morning for me. Okay. <laughs> <That's good. laughs>
0: I don't Wordle, so I'm just going to take your word for that. <laughs> so
1: It was to- good. It was yeah. Really good.
0: <laughs> so today we're excited about the episode. We're going to be talking all about reading, something that mm-hmm. maybe you love, maybe you don't love it, but... Chelsea and I do love it. So reading is one of our favorite things to do. And um, we really have connected over the years, not only ourselves in our reading, but with our own kids. Reading, reading aloud is something that we love to do, both of us, as in the culture of our family. And in Brave Parenting past years, we have written multiple articles on the importance of reading to your kids and setting aside that technology in order to partake in reading we've had book lists for certain age groups which we still have and I'm actually going to put them in the show notes if you are wanting to check that out but today um we're going to kind of pull all of that stuff together for this podcast and the reason being is that a lot of research a lot of new data is coming out saying how american children are facing a reading crisis the new york times published an article in march of 22 on a cluster of new studies that found large percentages of children across the nation are reading below the national average. And I just saw a couple of days ago that uh, reading levels have hit a 20-year low on standardized tests. Math and reading is at a 20-year low. Right now, they're blaming it on COVID, but uh, we have to maybe look and see, you know, how much does technology actually play a part in that? I believe it kind of plays a little bit more of a part, and that's kind of where we're going to be focusing on a little bit today. But you know, even more disturbing is if you ask teachers, you know, before lockdown, whether or not kids were proficient readers, um, they would have struggled then to give you a resounding yes. They're, they're great readers. I mean, this has been going on for years. Colleges have been placing freshmen into remedial reading and writing classes because the product being pushed out of public schools just isn't college ready. They're just not the same as they were, say, 20 years ago. Of course, like I said, we've had this sort of in the back pocket of our Brave Parenting uh, mission for a long time because we know that one of the opposites of using technology for entertainment is reading. Mm -hmm. For, For us personally, I know both of us have had this for movies that have books to go along with it. When our kids were young, we always would say, "Got to read the books first, especially Harry Potter." That was how I connected mm-hmm. with all my kids. Is I would read them all of the Harry Potter books until they were able to read them themselves, just so then they could watch the movie and have a much better context of it.
1: Mhm. Mhm. And what did they always say? Like, oh, when the, you ask them at the, the end. The book what is was better. The, the, <laughs> the book, book is better book than is the better. movie. Absolutely. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're like, yes. Affirming my parenting choices. Yes,
0: yes, yeah. And I couldn't, let's just be real, I couldn't get all of my kids to do this. I have seven, and as everybody knows, they're all adopted, and they were adopted at different ages. And so some of them, you know, if you lose out on those early years of reading, so some of my yeah. older kids, they just did not pick up on reading a love for that and did not yeah. even love to be read to. Um, And some of them just don't like fantasy. <laughs> They didn't even want to watch the Harry Potter movies or any other Lord of the Rings or Chronicles of Narnia or any other type of of movie like that. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm super excited about this episode. It it probably will be one of my favorites because, yeah, like you said, we both love reading so much. But uh, before we totally kick it off, What are you reading right now, Kelly? What are you doing in the Bible? Do you have any fun reads going
0: on? Well, yeah. So currently, um, I'm reading a lot on the Psalms for my master's level class. The class I'm in right now is wisdom and worship literature, so we are reading forty Psalms this week, and then forty Psalms next week, and so on. And so I'm really deep into the Psalms. Um, The book that I'm reading is called "Awake, O Harp." Um, and Old Testament wisdom literature. Those are my two assigned books for this class. Uh, So I'm Mm -hmm. currently in that for my schoolwork. Um, I'm doing a deep dive into Romans right now. Um, I mentor a high school girl. And so we've been Mm -hmm. studying Romans for a year. So we're into Romans eight right now, which is just one of the most beautiful chapters in all of scripture. And so that's kind of that. And then I, I did finish a book. I'm not, I don't have anything else really recreationally reading, but I did read a um, Karen Kingsbury book, well, an audio book, I'll be honest. My recreation reading is all through audio because it's usually when I'm driving. Um, mm-hmm. I read just a fun uh, Karen Kingsbury book, Christian fiction, whatever, easy, mm-hmm. breezy while mm-hmm. you're driving. Mm-hmm. What about you, Chelsea? Um, So
1: I've got, uh, right now in the Bible, I'm in Second Corinthians. I think I've been there for about uh, five or six months but I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I love um, that book. Yeah. I, I do too. I think one of John MacArthur's sermons when I was, when I start studying a Bible or a book of the Bible, I end up, you know, part of my study is watching sermons on it just so, you know, I get a, a better understanding of it, but I love John MacArthur. He's like all roads lead to second Corinthians four, six. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I kind of feel like they do. Yeah. Second Corinthians um,
0: four is my absolute, just go-to it is. Yeah. Everybody yeah. who knows me, Nudges me. You know, my family will nudge me in church if they mention Saint Corinthians four. It is
1: hands down yeah. my favorite chapter in the entire Bible. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's incredible, um, and it's you know it's really it's bringing me a ton of comfort right now. Um, uh, two years of counseling ministry um, under COVID was kind of brutal, among some other things. And you know, this is like Paul's like it's kind of like a cross section. Um, you know, like if you think of it in a science term, to he like we get to see like the deep down heart of who he really is it's very personal um very it kind of really just exposes the the love that he has um for this group of people and it's just it's a really good reminder that ministry is both brutal and beautiful mm. all at the same time
0: Amen to um, that.
1: yeah um it's just yeah there's full there's pain there's sorrow but man there is a glory that surpasses these light and momentary afflictions mm-hmm. and i have just got to repeat that almost daily but uh I also found a J.I. Packer book called um, um, "Weakness Is the Way," and um, I think if I remember when I ordered it off of Crossway a few weeks ago, I think it it actually relates to Second Corinthians, so that's why I kind of picked that one up, and I am enjoying it. But I'm also reading for fun, um, Agatha Christie's "Death on the Nile." My oldest and I are really struggling right now to find content appropriate material. I know that there's just like uh, you know, books are an art form, and so art has always been a way to. Uh, a means of like propaganda for whatever kind of like agendas being pushed and yeah I see it in a lot of the new stuff that's coming out for kids a lot of the just sexually inappropriate Mm -hmm. um agenda coming out in kids books yeah so yeah we're just super duper extra cautious but um you know we kind of are excited actually to be moving into maybe some of the more classics that's so awesome. I'm not, well, I don't know if you would call it Agatha Christie classic, but yeah, it's fun. She just read and then there were none. And I, I actually haven't finished that because it's just too scary for me, but she's like, this is amazing. And I'm like, well,
0: <laughs> I... there's something about the teenage brain that loves to be scared. Yeah. That is not yeah. the 40 year old brain Well, you're not 40, no. but
1: <laughs> it's, yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. No, thankfully not yet. <laughs> I mean, sorry for those who are. No, just joking. <laughs>
0: The adult brain. We'll just call it Um, that. I don't know.
1: I don't know. But um, so with my kids for fun, um, I'm reading, we're going to do The Hounds of Baskerville as a literature study. And then for just like our fun read aloud, we have this really fun um, mystery. It's like a whodunit mystery called Green Glass House. And uh, there's a nice little twist at the end that none of us saw coming. And we were all kind of pleasantly surprised. And so we actually, we're on book two now. Because we like it so much. That's but awesome. That's what we've got. I've that's always awesome. got tons of books going on at
0: one time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've, I've always <laughs> loved that. You've been so so good at doing that. Such an encouragement to me. Uh, just the read aloud and the sharing books together with the kids. Having older like teens with jobs and driver's license now. That obviously does not happen at my house anymore. Mm-hmm. Um. I still mm-hmm. will buy book series for my kids anytime they ask. Because that's mm-hmm. like one thing I will absolutely spend money on is books. Um but yeah, but I love that you are still reading aloud. That's so fantastic. Do it until you absolutely cannot. And even when they're later teenagers and they still want it and do it. <laughs> so, all right. All right. So let's get back to this. So we've got three major points that we would like to touch on in today's episode. The first is the cost of literacy. In many ways, mm-hmm. the low comprehension skills financially cost you know, Americans every year. And And there's also this Kind of unmeasured cost of losing critical thinking skills that we normally gain through literacy. So, we have first the cost of literacy. Second, we're going to be talking about where books and technology sort of meet at the crossroads, why some are choosing technology over books. And third, the impact of low literacy and our ability to read what we would say is the most important words you're ever going to read, which is scripture in the Bible. So, so right now we're living in this sort of paradox and the access to media and information has so greatly increased thanks to our personal devices but just because we have access to so much information we're not reading we're not reading to understand we're not reading to learn nearly as much and our ability to comprehend and apply the written word is getting harder and harder for young people and this is where I think our first you know point comes in of the cost you know the American Journal of Public Health Low literacy is said to be connected with over $230 billion a year in healthcare costs because wow. almost half of Americans can't read well enough to understand basic information, even health information, thus incurring wow. higher costs, right? So, I mean, as a pharmacist, I work in a, a you know, public you know, retail pharmacy, so I see all of society. And this is absolutely true, right? I have lots of people who cannot read and understand their medical conditions. I uh, can't understand the medication that they're taking. have no idea how to research information on that. Although sometimes those people who can, that actually can get you in just as much trouble because Google will, you know, tell you you're dying, I'm sure. Um, you know, half the time <laughs> you search up.
1: <laughs> right? When I, when I, sorry, you said Google when I taught Bible study, we would always say never Google theological terms or medical.
0: Terms. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 yeah and, and we, it's true. we have a doctor friend who would definitely agree with that yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, in our friend group. Um, but the reality is, is a lot of people just want to be spoon fed information now. And that would include healthcare. No one really yeah. wants to take like an active educate myself type of role because that takes work. And so that's where we're losing. Mm-hmm. We're just saying, eh, I don't need to critically think. I'm just gonna let you know Google spoon feed me, or I'm gonna let you know the news headlines spoon feed me, Um, and so that's that's a real problem, right? So many of our young people, and I'm gonna include us. I admit it that I'm you know this is my birthday month. We're gonna hit 44 (laughs) soon, but Uh (laughs) (laughs) But I'm gonna call myself young. We like I said, we just all want these these quick, easy answers, and you know what used to be like cliff notes, right? But now it's like we're getting the social media version of cliff notes. We want the meme. We want Mm -hmm. just the funny, easy, you know, get this information so quick that I can just move on to the next thing. In 2019, the Pew Research Center found that over half of Americans either get their news, sometimes or often, from social media. And Facebook is the most popular media site where American adults get their news. So we scroll and we consume and... And with, we just never really think critically about a lot of serious issues or maybe we are mm-hmm. thinking, but it tends to be like a, just a more irrational, judgmental, immediate reaction. It's not a, yeah. a deep thinking. And so that inability to really objectively analyze and evaluate an issue, that's where the problem is. That's where we're just um, forming quick judgment based on emotions. Instead of yeah. evaluating it and actually looking at what truth is in that. So we may be reading quick headlines, but again, we're not reading enough to get the full truth of all that information. Is what I'm reading fake news? Is it, you know, just um, hyperbole just so that it, you know, can you know, mm-hmm. grasp my attention? Um, and so right now the church is facing major issues. With from all these news headlines that you can take in mm-hmm. on LGBTQ, abortion, social justice. And we really do have to be able to, to read, comprehend, and think critically about these issues. What do you think? Chelsea?
1: Oh, like 100%. Uh, absolutely. I, you know, <laughs> when you were saying like, you're like, well, I'm going to include myself too. It kind of, it took me back to the um, lockdown days when I was having to order groceries and oh my gosh, this is so awful. I um, <clears throat> I did not read what I was purchasing, and um, I thought I was ordering ketchup, and I did order ketchup. I ordered four pounds of ketchup, <laughs> um, <laughs> because I just was like, oh, that's what I want. The picture matches what I want. I didn't actually read mm. how many ounces were in the bottle. <laughs>
0: so, that's funny. Yeah, like,
1: my kids could barely pick up this ketchup bottle. <laughs> when we would eat dinner sorry but no i i couldn't agree more and you've made so many great points in this first first section so i really want to try and keep us on point um but obviously my first thoughts go to scripture and Mm -hmm. i really cannot help but think of the first seven chapters of proverbs um he says i mean listen to this this is solomon he's writing to his son under the inspiration of the holy spirit this is proverbs 2 verses 1 through 12 he says my son if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. The Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk whose walk is blameless for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair. Every good path for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. Wisdom will save you from the wicked men from the men whose words are perverse. I mean, if I can like when I, when I read that, I, I immediately hear that God cares about what we think. He cares about how we interact with the world around us. He is not asking us to take everything as fact. No, he wants us to be critical thinkers. He wants us to be discerners, both about the world, but also about his word. And I, I mean, just listen to this. This is the antithesis of a critical thinker. This is from Proverbs 1, 22 to 33. Um, <clears throat> before I start reading, you know, the you should. The listeners should know that the the Hebrew word rendered "simple" um, in these next few verses denotes a person who is gullible, um, doesn't have a moral direction, as it, and is inclined to evil. And this is what um, the the Lord says: How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke. Then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teaching. But since you refuse to listen when I call and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, since you disregard all my advice and do not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you, then they will call out to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but they will not fool me, since they hated knowledge, and they did not choose to fear the Lord. Since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their scheme. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. I mean, yeah. I—, I Believing everything that we read is akin to like being a simple man in Proverbs. And without the ability to think critically, that's what we will, we will become. We will literally reap what we sow or like kind of like reap what we eat. Other, mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of what I hear. Another image of this is from Ephesians. Um, if you can't think critically about ideas, beliefs, other religions, then you're going to be like that baby who's tossed back and forth on every wave. You know, you're going to be vulnerable to every scheme. And the Bible says that there are men out there who scheme and plot evil ways. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a major cost to American families across the nation. If we aren't proactive about reading in our homes, I think we could almost argue that critical thinking for the Christian is kind of like the rope keeps us us anchored to Christ. Um, Probably more so that rope is the Holy spirit, but I think critical thinking is somewhere in that analogy. Um, And I know, I know I'm taking up a little bit of time here, but, The issues that the church are facing right now are very dark and very, very heavy. And I just right now just wholeheartedly encourage families to spend more time reading Christian classics that help us remember and reflect on that hope that still exists in these dark times. Books like, you know, Pilgrim's Progress, The Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, the Narnia series. These books help us connect with characters that are incredibly hard and suffer in a fallen world, but they are not without hope. Mm-hmm. and all of us all of us christians we really need that right now it, it really is a time to gather up our kids and our spouses hunker down as a family and dig into these stories in our home yeah i'm just i'm gonna sort of throw back to you kelly what do you think
0: yeah so i mean i love that right and proverbs is beautiful and it they call it wisdom literature for a reason right it's so wise right yeah. and yeah. and so it, it is the the comparison of whether you love knowledge or hate knowledge and we act like we love knowledge because we're taking what we think is knowledge in, but it's social media and news and television that just isn't knowledge. Knowledge mm-hmm. definitely has to be pursued. You have to search for it. You have to yearn for it, like that hidden treasure, you know, and that's mm-hmm. that's how that's described. And there's an effort on our part that we really can't ignore, that wisdom doesn't come easily and quickly it's not spoon fed to you like your baby. It takes time. And it, that critical thinking is developed in that time. So I yep. love that. Um, thank you for bringing that scripture into there. So to summarize our first point is this, reading skills and literacy in general is active work that takes energy and time, but it makes you more competent, not only in your personal life, but as well as a, a citizen in our society to be able to critically think as a a member of the big C church, as well as the little C church in order to grow the kingdom. We all need to be thinkers, which therefore we need to be readers and have that information coming to us through truthful sources, not just through memes all day long. Would you agree?
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. A hundred percent.
0: Yeah. So that leads into our second point, which is the crossroads of books and technology. Now, there's a lot to say on this point, and you can actually find support. I've looked and read a lot of articles that say you can find things that support digital media reading. Um, So that would be like whether you're reading on a Kindle or if you're even just reading on a computer screen for kids learning to read on a computer. Um, The point that we want to highlight, though, is the effect technology has on our attention spans, because I think (laughs) that is where um, the crossroads really It's It's sort of the choice, like the screens are just easier and maybe more fun. But the other reality is, is because we've chose that, we now have a lack of attention for giving ourselves over into these books. So Dr. Sharon Horwood, she's a senior lecturer in the School of Psychology at Deakin University. And her research into personality psychology and human-computer interaction, it was all um, kind of highlighted on this Australian documentary, Are You Addicted to Technology? And the show features an interactive questionnaire that gauges viewers' levels of digital dependency. And so it was the largest survey um, in in Australia's digital usage of its kind. And and it says that what what we do find with technology like smartphones and tablets is that they have the tendency to increase our absent-mindedness, reduce our ability to think and remember, and to pay attention to things and regulate emotion. Most mm-hmm. of us have our phones within arm's reach. Even the possibility of a message or a call or something happening on social media is enough to divert our attention away to from what we're doing, end quote. So this, is, this quote has been going on for years. I mean, we've probably, I could have shared this quote five years ago because mm-hmm. we've known it. There's I, um, one research study that I default to from the University of Texas that shows that just the mere presence of your phone sitting next to you decreases your cognitive function. Just being able to see it like on your desk or wherever you're at in your station, the kitchen table, whatever you're doing, just seeing it. So if you think about kids having a a phone out or some sort of tablet out, that can decrease just your cognitive function because you're always thinking, is it going to light up? Am I going to get something? So... Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. that alone right when she says in that quote it increases our absent-mindedness how many times have we been meant to be doing something and you totally get distracted by your phone and then you don't remember what you were doing reduce our ability to think and remember absolutely pay attention regulate emotion all those things for sure i think every one of us can relate to so Mm -hmm. technology has really made it hard for us as adults as adults to engage with books Because we're constantly distracted. I don't know how many times I've spoke to other adult friends, um, co-workers, you name it. And I talk about reading and they're like, oh, I hate reading. Like, it's almost like a badge of honor to say that you hate reading, that it's like a disgusting thing. And we need to change that, right? Um, some, Mm -hmm. Some people might be choosing text over books because they just can't sit and read. Like they're in a, they just don't have the ability to do that. It makes them really uncomfortable. They just get so distracted. Um, But more than anything, I think we engage with, with technology over books. It's just easy. It is easy. Like a baby sitting there and being spoon fed soft food. We engage with technology because we just want to sit there and we want to be fed. And unfortunately, you know, we're allowing this subjective truth in quotes, Mm bad ideologies, wrong theology, all of the Mm -hmm. stuff that is out there. It is not a a, a happy little Christian world on the internet, right? And this is, and I speak that this is adults. This is us as grown adults being affected this way. Kids, especially the younger they are, don't know to be uncomfortable reading books unless you make it that way, right? You give a young child a book, they feel like they have just, Gone on the greatest adventure ever. I, I mean, I know when we're reading to our young toddlers before bed, it's like one more book, one more book, one. More, you know, mm-hmm. we all know this. Mm-hmm. They want one mm-hmm. more, partly to avoid bedtime, but also because <laughs> it's it's partly, both, but because they love it, right? They they enjoy right. that story and they enjoy that story time with you. So right. the earlier you allow them on your phone or to be on a tablet to distract them or to entertain them the quicker they are to be bored distracted and uncomfortable with without digital media right in yep. that book books aren't boring if you don't have a tablet or a television as an alternative if those Oh my gosh
1: yes yeah <laughs> if
0: those are not options yeah. books are the best thing ever they are yep. your escape from
1: reality they are your adventure and discovery all of that right mhm hmm. And you know, the hardest group to break into for brave parenting has been parents of young kids. Like, mm-hmm. without a doubt, it yeah. has been one of the hardest groups for us to kind of, um, to, to, for people to be like, Oh, yeah, I should, I should maybe read to my kids more. It's uh, hands down, because devices are the best babysitters in the world. That's, I mean, they're free yeah. in the sense that you don't have to pay a person. It's always available. And our kids love them. Yeah. Like I remember, do you remember this Kelly? Like back in the early days of Brave Parenting, when like we were first getting started, we were both really uncomfortable with how quiet restaurants had become. Babies were not crying anymore. Toddlers weren't talking. The parents weren't talking with their kids either. Everyone had their eyes down and they were looking at devices. Yeah. Like it, it and it was a, like a family affair at a restaurant at a, uh, it, it, and it, now, but it's easy. Again, it's available.
0: And, and now it, not only is that not still happening, it's still happening, but it just become,
1: yep, this is just the way that it is.
0: We've all become
1: yes desensitized yes, to it. I mean, yes, I'm, it's normal. I'm yeah.
0: personally not desensitized mm-hmm. to it. I still cringe every time I, know. I see it happen. I know. Um, but, you know, there is so much that the Lord has to say about the parent-child relationship that is lost in those very moments. Mm-hmm. When we have the opportunity to engage with our kids, maybe we're out together for a meal and we don't do that. We mm-hmm. can just go back to, The classic Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7. And maybe you don't know that reference, but you're gonna know it when I say it. (laughs) And in (laughs) here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments I give you today to be on your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Right? So the Lord is telling Israel, his people, Teaching your children about what should be so natural and so frequent that you should be to be doing it all the time. I mean, when you wake up, when you lie down, when you walk along the road, all of the time. We should be talking to our children and engaging with them, not only talking about things of the Lord, but just we can talk about anything, but just it's about that relationship. But unfortunately, and I talk about this very verse in, in my book, now those are the times that we're on the phone. Now, yeah. this is when we're, we're, when we're lock, walking along the road, we're on the phone. When we wake up, we look at our phone. When we go to bed, we, lie, we look at our phone. You know, and so this, mm-hmm. this is what becomes, is the complete opposite of engagement. Now, it's, this is when I look at my screens. And, mm-hmm. you know, in the, the title of this, you know, that's given, um, it's not written in actual original Hebrew scripture, but we've titled it in, in the Bible of love the Lord your God. That's the title of this chapter in Deuteronomy. And it's our first commandment. And we don't yeah. we don't have to um, love ourselves before we love our kids. Like let's just get that truth out there. We don't have to love our kids right um, more than we we love God. We we all we love God first. And because we love God first, our engagement and how we rear them and how we discipline and how we disciple them must flow out of that love for God first. It's out of our love for the Lord that we do these things. It's not because we love technology.
1: (laughs) It's true. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the counselor in me is like, I mean, like maybe we should put a pause right here and we should just be like, hey, listen, if you're a parent that is really feeling the burnout of parenting, Kelly has just made an excellent point. If, If you're feeling burnout right now, if you've been using the screen as a babysitter, because it's easier, we've got some questions for you to journal. First of all, the first question we have is, does the energy for parenting flow out of your love from, for your child or for your love for God? Where does it come from? I just want to read 11, or Romans 11:36. 36. It says, for from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the heartbeat of parenting. This is what it's all about. It's all about God. When our hearts are ordered correctly, him first, them second, us third, we are less inclined to give into screens because when that burnout hits an ordered heart, it, like when burnout hits in an ordered heart, the first thought is, what can I do right now that will bring him glory? It will not be, what can I do to make myself feel better? Mm. I, it, That's at, a beautiful at, point. We, yeah. Yeah. So to, mm-hmm.
0: to re-give mm-hmm. uh, that question, and I'm going to put that in the show notes as well, is does the energy for parenting that you have, does it flow mm-hmm. out of love for your child or flow out of your love for God? Yep. And you think, how does this relate to reading? It's because we have to fight our flesh to give yep. over the, to the easiness of technology and yep. do what we know is right. And that is reading, is literacy, to teach them to be able to be learners for life. And that means yeah. that they have to be able to read. And yeah. so you know, the brave and hard thing to do right now in our culture is to raise less screen raised kids, right? Mm-hmm. Right now, kids are being raised on screens. Am I right? I right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right?
1: It's 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think,
0: mm-hmm. you know, I think of this when, and when we were preparing this, I thought, you know, everybody wants this farm raised produce, right? They want their chicken and their eggs and their vegetables and all this stuff like organic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We want this organic raised because it, um, you know, the manufacturing, like chemical produced, all this, it lacks authenticity and flavor and can cause a host of issues, right? Due to this, it's inorganic nature. Well, can I just suggest that screen raised kids are similar in that way? It's essentially, we're producing this cookie cutter child who has Mm. no attention span Thrives mm-hmm. on being spoon-fed entertainment and information. Preach. Mm-hmm. Lacks perseverance and creativity and mm-hmm. cannot handle boredom.
1: Y'all, we need a Hammond. <laughs> That's what we need, right? <laughs> that day. is so nice. You might have to say it twice. <laughs> <laughs> we are, right? I
0: mean, they're all yes. the same. All these kids are the same. If you talk to a teacher of elementary school kids, it, it's, they all are m- just molded into this screen-raised kid. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we need screen-less kids. And I'm not saying like screen-less, like no screens at all. I just mean screen-less, L-E-S-S. We need less screens in our kid's life, meaning less often, right? Homes that use screens less often produce kids who seek out hands-on learning by exploring and asking questions and reading. Kids who are on screens less pursue creativity and problem-solving and child-appropriate adventure. These kids who are on screens less have longer attention spans and the ability to think critically.
1: Mm, mm, mm. If y'all didn't know it, I was amen in everything, <laughs> like all of it. If y'all didn't know that I was passionate about what Kelly was just saying there, Um I But for real, though, I the reason I am is because I know this because we've been a screen less family and it has been hard. I mean, like when they were little, it was a, it was easier because my husband and I had already pre committed to this idea of less TV. Do you remember like when oh, yeah. uh, back in the day it was like, well, how much how much TV do they watch? Like you were asked that question at the pediatrician's office. Television. Because, <laughs> yeah because they knew they knew that kids that were raised on TV you know they 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 didn't they didn't hit all of those goals those mm-hmm. target goals um for development like the kids who didn't watch TV so we had already pre-committed to this idea and it just kind of spilled over into screens as well we had a ton of books a ton of games we encouraged a lot of free play i actually have a picture of my kids it's so funny um I they were in the backyard one day and they were just like oh we're so bored we want to come inside and I was like nope and I locked the back door and like they're all at the back door like with their faces pressed against it and you know we have those memories when we were kids like yes. when our parents would kick us out of the house right yes um and I was like well I think they got something right about that um but yeah we just but this is what we're having to do as like get older is we we engage more and more with their peers because they're doing youth group, they're out in the world more. And that temptation to look and do the same as others is there. Without a doubt, it is there. And it is there in a new way that my husband and I are still trying to figure out to be on
0: screens more. You're talking about yes.
1: Yeah. 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 And I mean like for my girls, all their friends that they would like to connect with are on screens. And for my son, it's all about video games. Mm -hmm. And uh, but I mean, like generally, we've been trying to live out the social at sixteen movement that Brave Parenting created a long time ago, and I won't say like unfortunately it was. It's kind of like unbeknownst to us, but our oldest, who's thirteen, is actually able to get a job, and it's gonna take her out of the home. She's gonna ref soccer games. She's super excited about it. But I mean, we talked about it. My husband and I, and we're like, okay, maybe she does need a device for safety, right? And only for safety. Literally nothing else. But we as parents absolutely kelly we have fought we have fought with our flesh we will we fight with our flesh right now and uh, the Mm -hmm. honest truth is we will continue to fight with our flesh over the use of screens because there are so many times when i was exhausted and i just wanted some quiet time and i thought you know like maybe i could give them a screen but if i'm if i'm being totally honest when i chose to read a book instead i even when I was exhausted, when I chose to pull out that family read aloud instead of the screen, it it was revitalizing.
0: Mm-hmm. It
1: was it was incredible, and I didn't feel guilty afterwards. I still got the downtime that I needed. I still got to sit. I had all my kids snuggle up with me. Um, it was fantastic. But even today, right? Technology is about ease. It would be easier to let them have the technology and let the technology be the mode that they kind of like connect with their friends with. Um, but my husband and I have not seen our kids come to a place where technology can be a resource instead of a crutch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we have to do all the things possible to get their friends over to our house, to help them navigate relationships to basically invite other kids to be screen less right. as well. Do you know what I mean? Like right. it's hard. It is so hard.
0: And I believe that the heart of our, us as parents, we want to be screen less. We just convince ourselves That we just can't like this is just not how the world is, and everybody, you know, just we just can't do it. But I really think that when you find other families who are doing it, and or maybe just doing it but aren't doing it very well, but they want to do it more, and they find you, and you're like, yes, we're we're, you know we screen less, yes, and then then they just feel empowered to do it as well. And because I think ultimately all of us want to give our kids the sort of childhood that we had, where we played outside. Even if you didn't read, I I personally did not read as a child at all. Like I think my very first novel that I have a recollection of reading was in college, but that's mm-hmm. a, that was a great reward for me now um, getting into it. But even if they, you don't read tons, just being off the screen still has tons of other benefits if you're doing oh, other creative things. So let's let's talk about that, right? Let's brainstorm some ideas. Um, for Mm -hmm. parents of young kids of what they can do other than screen time.
1: Oh, I love this. Yes, absolutely. I would say first plan and prepare. I mean, if you go into this cold turkey without screens, like with no screen or screen less without a plan, oh, it's by far, it's not going to go well. Um, I, what I did is I got a weekly calendar and I would plan out our activities and we just, we try not to be legalistic about this, but, um, and, and exactly by the planner, we just kind of treat it like a loose structure that helps us rather than constrains us. But first, I mean, remember the, the, you're going to get tired, like that's inevitable. Parenting is exhausting. It's natural, but you've got to have a plan for those times to really, to avoid that temptation. You've got to plan and prepare. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good point. Good point. So Here are some ideas that uh, my family took advantage of when we really wanted to cave screens. Number one, this is the easiest one, let them be bored. Boredom is not, you are not inflicting pain and suffering on your child. Just allow them to be bored. They will innately find something creative to do. Uh, Number two, have items at the ready to foster and enrich creative um, activity, crafts, Um, Outside play equipment, balls, games, that sort of stuff. Have them ready. You've got to have them if they're actually going to engage with them. Another one would be board games, card games. Have a bunch of them. I know if my husband and I get a game out, my kids will often want to join in, but they won't always start it on their own. So have those at the ready so that they can learn. Yeah, this is a fun thing I can do and start on my own. And of course, books. Mm -hmm. Yes, I mentioned before. Not all of my kids have always loved reading, and but. I could generally I could get them to join in on read alouds um, when they were young. And even if, you know, to me, I had so many that I felt like I'd be winning if I got one or two, if I had three, four, five, Awesome, man. I was really winning. So, but Mm -hmm. you've got to have the books and Mm -hmm. make trips to the library. Your library is the the greatest free resource that is completely underutilized. Mm -hmm. Use the library Mm -hmm. as much as you can make that a part of their routine. Even if they're picking out books, and then they're taking them home and you may not see them touch them. They just thought that I just got them to make you happy.
1: Huh, great. Yeah. So read them when yeah. you're bored,
0: that's your go-to.
1: Absolutely. I love it. I love all of these. I would say my last suggestion is to communicate, communicate, communicate. Tell grandparents, aunts and uncles, cousins, friends, even, even your youth pastor, if you want to communicate with your youth, youth pastor, but just the other people that your kids spend time with, especially when they're little. Because they need to know that screen less exposure is the culture that you're raising your kids in. Um, Mm -hmm. Everyone, you know, I think we're going to put it in our show notes because we're going to include our read aloud lists. We're going to include like these suggestions, like all of this is going to be made available to you to just to just remind you Mm -hmm. like this is possible. It is 100% possible to do. But it really takes us into our third point. What's going to happen if we don't? If we we, we keep doing what we're doing and if we don't make changes, how is a low literacy rate and subsequent impaired critical thinking skills, how are they going to impact our children's ability to engage with the Bible? I mean, we really need to think about this.
0: Yeah, we do. We need to be sober minded about this, as the Bible says. I mean, and that means we need to think deeply and um honestly about the reality of what this can be we can't just say oh this is the world is everything can be fine we'll just take one day at a time but no we really need to think about the reality of what this means arguably the bible is the most important word any of us will ever read as christians Mm -hmm. discipling kids to also to know the lord to love the lord to walk with the lord and so the answer is twofold you know without a doubt there's going to be some struggle it could just be a mere act of sitting down and reading the Bible is a struggle because our attention spans have been altered, um, but it could be a struggle because the normal mode of consuming reading material has been in short snippets and funny memes and you know all with a ton of graphics. But thirdly, it could be because it's just hard to understand. The Bible yeah. is just hard to understand. This is why read aloud and creating a culture of reading in our homes is so important. You know, when our kids can take those first baby steps of stewarding their own faith, we want to make sure that we have them equipped as best as we possibly can. They need vocabularies. They need robust vocabularies and experience in language that isn't necessarily how you see and read in school and on social media and th- mm-hmm. through video games. That sort of language that you see is not the same. It's in the Bible, but they need experience in that. And that's where books can really come in, Um, knowing how to approach a piece of literature objectively. Now that's where reading, again, comes in when they're young, because you can say this is in the genre of fiction or this is fantasy. You know, when there's witches in the lion, the witch in the wardrobe and you're like, you know, this is a great book, but there's a witch in there. You know, what is is that real? No, this is, you know, fiction to portray other kids. When you teach them those literary drawings, yeah, they're gonna learn that in school. But when they're also learning that at home, that's important because there's different genres inside of scripture. You know, there's wisdom literature, there's narrative literature, there's prophecy, Mm -hmm. right? There's all these different genres and it matters how we read that. You may think, oh, this is way, you know, Bible class. Yes, yes. But Mm -hmm. this is so important uh, because you have to know what you're reading in scripture and to who it was addressed to in order to understand. And that all ties back into how we are interacting with the written word, not just scripture written word, but all written word on a consistent and regular basis. And so we need to do that purposefully. So they need all of those aspects of reading to tie into how they read and understand the Bible. And I really believe that we don't give our kids enough credit to be as smart as they really can be. We kind of assume that they need um, maybe that storybook Bible all the way through elementary Mm -hmm. school. And, um, but we absolutely believe their brains can take in and learn far, far better than an adult can. If we're honest, they can Mm -hmm. um, absorb and retain information far better than us. And if we withhold from them reading a, say, real Bible until maybe they've reached an older age, the chances are they may not actually want to read it then. Yeah. You know, but I can absolutely guarantee that if a child sees their parent reading the Bible every day and talking about it, they are going to want to do the same. They are master imitators. Some may argue they're not going to understand, you know, what they're reading, but that is why you are there. That is why you as a parent are walking alongside them. I, you know, I can't say that they're going to understand. I personally don't say that I understand everything that I'm reading as I'm reading Romans right? For example, but I have four commentaries that I'm reading alongside of Romans that help yeah. me understand. And again, yeah. because I know that I'm going to gain knowledge from reading, if I can't fully understand scripture, I know that there are other resources. And you said you go to sermons for Second Corinthians 4 or whatever yeah. book you're studying. That is yeah. another great resource. Where do you think those pastors are getting the information? to present. Yeah. They too are digging into more reading. That's where yeah. we get the knowledge from.
1: Yeah. I love how you talked about like robust vocabularies, experience, and like antiquated language, understanding context, author's intent, you know, objective literature. I appreciate it because those are all tools for understanding what you're reading. And, the, and like, yeah, you just said like, yeah, sometimes reading Romans is hard, but you have the tools right? To kind of like unpack it and kind of figure out what you're reading. And um, I pulled a quote from A.W. Pink. Um, It's from Interpretations of the Scripture. And I just love this. Listen to what he says: God does not ask for blind credence from us, an intelligent faith, and for three things that are dispensable, that his word should be read or heard, understood, and personally appropriated, None other than Christ Himself gave the exhortation, "Whosoever readeth, let him understand." The mm-hmm. mind must be exercised upon what is read. I, yeah. I like I. It does not just sum up exactly what we've been talking about. Yeah. Exercise the mind. There is a desperate need for our kids to know how to read well, so that those skills will translate into the most important daily discipline of their life: reading the Bible. And I, just to kind of take all of the pressure off of us and to kind of balance it out we really have to understand dig in and believe in the doctrine of illumination this means that the spirit who dwells in us helps us to understand because our minds even though we are regenerated still struggle to understand we are living in a in a fallen world our minds are Mm -hmm. part of that fall. And when we approach our time in the word, we will approach it or we should approach it like the psalmist in 119 who says, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. It's a posture of humility as we approach his word because the truth is we need his help. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is another quote. This is from John MacArthur. He says, through the illumination of the word, the Holy Spirit enables believers to discern divine truth, spiritual realities that are uncovered that the unconverted are unable to truly comprehend. Yeah, like there, there is there is a necessity for the Holy Spirit, but there is also a necessity for us to actively be engaged in exercising the mind.
0: Right, absolutely, mm-hmm. and that's a, just the sobering reality: um, is that it's possible to be so familiar with the Bible and still fail to understand it. Yeah, you know, we can hear scriptures and feel like, oh yeah, I know that, but but to truly take it in. And that's part of, of being that um, critical thinker, cognitively understanding, um, humbly approaching it with the power of the Holy Spirit to understand it. You know, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, you know, they were all like technically Old Testament scholars, yet they completely yeah. missed the point of scriptures. They, they missed everything that scripture said that pointed to Jesus. And, you know, as mm-hmm. Christ asked Nicodemus, you know, expo- exposing the latter's ignorance, about the basic tenets of the gospel. He said, you know, are you the teachers of Israel and you don't understand these things, right? Oh
1: my gosh. Jesus is
0: like, I don't understand. You know, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. teach all of these people the Bible, but you don't understand. And that is something Mm -hmm. we really desperately want for us, for as believers, but we also want to do that for our children.
1: Mhm. I love that. I I mean, it's just the work of the Spirit in our heart and our mind to help us understand. I mean, there's still great, like I said, there's great effort, great work on our part, but so much of it is dependent on the Spirit. And I mean, just sitting and thinking about that, like knowing that when I open my Bible up after we're done here today to have my daily time, I'm in I'm in the presence of God. Jesus is interceding for me, but then the Holy Spirit is working on my mind to help me understand mm-hmm. what I'm reading. And I, can I just, I'm so thankful. I'm literally thankful to just live in the presence of the Trinity. That's what mm-hmm. we get as believers. Yeah. I, it's, let's yeah. just meditate on that all day. I mean, nice. the literacy stuff has been great, but that's like even better, am I right? It's true. Sorry. It's true, yeah.
0: <laughs> but, uh, okay, so to wrap up our third point, what will this low literacy rate, impaired critical thinking skills, and more screen-raised children mean for the church? Right? Mm-hmm. So less reading, less ability to communicate and articulate means less evangelizing and ultimately less members in the body as a whole. Since faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ, which is Romans 10, 17, communication is essential to our mandate of spreading the gospel. You know, Mm and the second part is the less reading skills. Um, You know, the more and more the Bible will not be interpreted properly.
1: Yeah, is where, we're struggling with that today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is where Girl, bad... that's a whole nother podcast.
0: <laughs> These are bad ideologies, you know, already prevalent because, because we're not interpreting it properly because we're not thorough readers. We're not critically thinking about what's truth. We're just accepting what someone says and they're completely interpreting it wrong. And that's a scary prospect. So no, granted, mm-hmm. I want to say that this is not surprising to God. There is nothing new under the sun. There has been constant waves of this since the the origin of the first church but mm-hmm. as christian parents living today in the 21st century this should be something that concerns us greatly we should not be walking along the throngs of everyone else on the wide road right? our greatest desire should be for our children to know to follow and to love the lord jesus christ and if they love their ipad or their smartphone at age 8 more than they love reading it's going to be really difficult Mm -hmm. to raise up that Christ follower. Mm -hmm. Any last thoughts, Chelsea?
1: I'm just thinking about stewardship as parents. You know, these kids don't belong to us. They, they were there. They belong to God first and we are called to steward our time as parents. Well, I, I know that I don't do it perfectly every day. I know that you don't do it perfectly every day. But just that idea of stewardship in the back of my mind, that this child doesn't belong to me, it belongs to God, that my service to them, my act as a parent is a form of worship for to my Lord. Um, just trying to put him first in all of these circumstances, especially when you're exhausted. Um, I think that's going to be that safety net that keeps us from going to the iPad, that keeps us from doing what's easy. Um, I, just, I, I I encourage parents like today, just, you know, look at our reading list, find a book, um, sit down, pop some popcorn. Food is the best way to get to your kids. Um, I always provide like snacks if some of them are kind of like hesitant or not hesitant, but just like, oh, I don't want to read it. And I'm like, oh, I've got snacky snacks. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's always been a good um, uh, sure. way to get them to sit around and read. But grab a book, sit down, and just enjoy your time with your kids. Enjoy them while you have them because it just goes by so quickly. Um, yeah. we're called to equip and steward them well, but we're called to love them and love the Lord our God. And I just I hope this is an encouragement today. I, I really do. I hope it's encouraging rather than kind of like a Debbie Downer. Um Yeah.
0: It's true. I mean, yeah. yeah. I feel like we, you know, are calling kind of calling people to to count, you know, in a way <laughs> for allowing yeah. too much screen time. Yeah. And in a way we yeah. we sort of are, but definitely um it's more of a encouragement. There's just so much richness. That's being missed out on because we're not reading. Not only to our kids, our kids aren't reading; they're missing out on that, and and that, like we said, has some consequences that we just kind of want to avoid. That's our goal is to Absolutely. avoid that. So, you know, whether you pick up a book today, whether you get on Audible or some other, you know, your library also has free audio books. Mm-hmm. Figure out a way to just get into the word. Um, if you're reading yeah. it or you're listening to it, if you're just busy but you have a lot of drive time, that's a great way. Just pick a book. It can be fun and easy and fiction, or it can be you know something Christian related or Bible related. It Doesn't matter. Just get into some sort of written word. That's our encouragement for you. Encourage your kids to do the same when they see you doing it. Right, like I said, they are master imitators, and you can start a new culture in your home of being screen less. Families, so check out our show notes for all the details of things that we shared. Meditate on what Chelsea had said and her little counselor point of where is our energy coming to parent our children? Is it our love um, for them, or is it our love for God that that is pouring um, that we're where we're finding that and pouring out into our kids? And if you have any. Requested topics that you would like us to talk about, any questions, reach out to us at podcast at Until next time, y'all go and be brave and read. We'll see you next time.